0: Jeff Cameron's show at least for this week. I would call this a celebratory librations or libations if I could speak. Thursday. No, I have not started doing vibe just yet. But an hour from now, <laughs> we're online. ESPNTallahassee.com That's Director Matthew producing. Hello, YouTubers. Check out my championship gear. It's actually my old lightning gear, but soon it will be accompanied by Back-to-back champion hats and shirts and the like. I can see where Tampa is going to get on people's nerves. In general, the city of Tampa with all the championships and the vying for championships, incessantly in the conversation surrounding championships. If you think about the vitriol that accompanied last night's victory, or at least the post- Victory celebrations and people's reactions to it seem to elicit an anger that came from deep within. And that usually is born out of frustration of dominance. We've seen that over the years with the likes of the Yankees or the Patriots or something along those lines. But these days, that sort of anger and frustration is reserved for the greatness that is the city of Tampa and St. Petersburg, the Tampa Bay area, the, the area of champions, That whole that, that competition and domination that centers around the Bay Area. And I get that. You can email the show if you like, JCS at 979, ESPNRadio.com. Twitter's at J Cameron Show. I thought that uh, one champion needed to talk to another. We've always done this. Uh, we did it when we got back from California after uh, the Knowles won the uh, national championship. We did it after the Bucks won the Super Bowl. And so I'm going to do it. You're damn right I'm going to do it here. We did it after last year's Stanley Cup victory. But now we get a chance to do it with back-to-back. He's my, uh, my running mate, Tom Lang. And he wants to join us so I can say to him right now, Hello, Champion. How are you? Hello, Champion. What a day. I'm glad we didn't
1: record this at 9 in the morning. That sound a little bit different, I can promise
0: you. Yeah, so I actually behaved myself. I uh, My dad was in town to celebrate the championship, but also to take my kids up to Georgia for Camp Opa, as you well know. And we had to kind of keep it between the lines and have a normal conversation because he had to drive this morning and I had work to do. But I uh, but I will reserve said celebration for tonight perhaps uh, as I
1: uh, I think that's a good plan yeah. uh, on your yeah. part for me since I'm walking the earth for a period of time here I'm just enjoying um, well, the champagne that I purchased last week when I went to game two. I, I got a bottle down there when I was in Tampa. I brought it up. Maybe that's a little bit of hubris, but we were the better, a better hockey club man just like we were the better football team in the Super Bowl. you could see it it was apparent. It would take all kinds of pinball goals to lose that series now. Uh, it's been cracked. It was finished last night around, oh, I don't know, 12.31 in the morning. And uh, maybe I had a little bit of aspirin this
0: morning. You might have. It, it was all worth it. You might have. I have this question for you, though, because while I was – this, I was torn. You know I was doing the golf show, so I had the game on on another computer while I was doing the golf show, so when we go to commercial break – I'd run in and catch five minutes. I caught most of the first period before Beyond the tip started, but I missed the vast majority of the second period, and I got out just in time to see the goal, and I got home just in time to start the third period. But I have to confess, it felt a little bit like, Tom, and, and your expertise in the world of hockey, and certainly as it pertains to the Tampa Bay Lightning, I acquiesce to uh, as you analyze them and watch a lot more of them more in depthly than I do but it felt like to me, and I'm fairly knowledgeable of this squad these days, we were limping to the finish line a little bit here. I think this is a really beat-up team. We both have great sources there. I don't want you to give any of those up, but have you reached out to find out just how banged up everybody was? I know, I think for Coulomb, it was a broken ankle or leg. I mean, there were a lot of problems with this team down the stretch. They kind of needed to get that one last night.
1: Uh, They did. You know, They would have had a hard time going up to Montreal and, and uh, winning game six on the road just because I think every 50 50 call would go to the Canadian club. There's real momentum there. You're just guessing yourself. But um, I knew about Caloran's broken ankle a couple of weeks back, I mean, like the next day after it happened. Um, and what he wanted to do, and this is all public knowledge now, so I can say it, but he, he had surgery to put a rod in it last <laughs> week. And uh, yeah, it was a broken fibula. They, they, uh, they put a rod in it. It was described to me as like more of a nail that they put in his fibula. And the doctors said, don't do it. And he said, the hell with that. I want to play. Then um, as it turned out, he didn't need to. So I wonder if he's going to regret that long-term, but that's a conversation for a different time. And then it, it also became public knowledge that uh, Kuturov, when he got cross-checked last series against uh, the Islanders, broke a rib mm-hmm. and played through the broken ribs. I knew and, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently he even went back to Tampa between games three and four on Long Island to get um, injections or sorry, Games three and four of the final. In Montreal, I came back to get injections, and played through it. Um, I don't know about Hedman. He's going to have surgery. Um, I don't know how serious it is. I think it is pretty serious. And then Stamkos as well. Uh, Eddie Olczyk actually gave himself up last night on the broadcast. I don't know if you caught this or if this is when you were on the air and checked MPGA Tour Radio. but done. um He said Stamkos is playing on one leg. So yeah, uh, they were really, really hurt. It's an astute observation, uh, but they were still better even with all those injuries. So that was uh, a nice place to be. It's a really nice place to be because it reminds me of beating Dallas 10 months ago. It reminds me of beating the Kansas city Chiefs. you know, health is part of it. And so is depth. and, And, uh, just have a
0: lot of depth in Tampa. Depth is a ton of it because, you know, you lose guys, and every hockey club does. And so, you know, Montreal had some guys banged up. But everybody does when you get this far along in the postseason. You've got to have guys you can count on to carry the day. And a lot of guys did in Tampa. I will ask you this. So we're a little in the weeds and in inside hockey, but I, I like this, and, and it is pertinent. And I do feel like, listen, it's a Florida team in particular the best Florida team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, that has won the Stanley Cup. So it is relevant here in the state of Florida on an afternoon talk show to at least venture down the road of kind of vetting what's to be uh, after yet another championship. And that is to say, we do know, obviously, that the Kraken are making their way into the league, which, by the way kudos to the fine folks out in Seattle is that just not the greatest name they could have come up with that is so cool and all of the marketing around it is going to be awesome but their draft Tom is on the 21st of this month um and so we're gonna know you and I will know at the ACC meetings where I'm going to see you and I don't know what capacity you'll be there or what capacity I'll be there in the coming days we'll be free to alert yeah yeah we'll be there to tell you but uh but' where are we talking about this and watching this together over a cold one? I'm sure uh, my question to you is, how, how ravaged will will Tampa Bay get? And, and I guess explain that process a little bit for people who don't know.
1: Okay, well, it, it gets a little bit convoluted when, it, when you get to a list of players that you have to protect. So you can basically have a list of guys that you know Seattle can't touch, or an expansion team can't touch. And there's two ways to get to the number. It can either be 9 or 10, depending upon how you want to categorize the guys. But it also just really is inside hockey. Like, if you have a no-trade clause or a no-movement clause, then that dude has to be on your list of 9 or 10. Okay. So Tampa has a lot of guys who have those provisions in their contract because they're really good players. Um, so they, they've got to make about four or five choices. But here's where it gets dicey: is the Lightning are already about $5 million over the cap right now, for next season. And they've got a lot of players they need to sign. Um, So even before Seattle makes its choice for one player, Tampa's got to make three or four choices about who's coming back and who isn't, do they need to make a trade, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's probably going to be turnover to the degree of three to five players at minimum year over year. That's why this once you saw the players, they were a little extra emotional because they know that the core is going to get, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a biting away of the core. Uh, from this season to next. Where that didn't happen last year, it's going to happen this time around. So that's why there was a little bit of extra sadness to go along with the joy.
0: I think the other reason, and it's appreciation and gratitude and love and, and commitment and obviously the wear and tear coupled with the knowledge that this team will not look the same. But in the salary cap era, it's just us and the Penguins that have done this now it is nearly impossible to win back-to-back-to-back cups. So they kind of probably had a sense. This was it, and they made it count in the greatest of ways. And they go from a franchise that were forever knocking on the door and very, very frustrated uh, to to one that realized their potential uh, in a way that very few have. So you go from kind of lamenting what could have been to, oh, no, we made it count, and I think for people who are kind of on the edges or cursory uh, watchers of hockey, they should know that no matter what you hear regarding the salary cap or anything of those things, that everybody played by the same rules this year. Any other, any other team could have done what they did, with what the Lightning did with Kucherov. The bottom line is the Lightning drafted Steven Stamkos. The Lightning drafted Vasilevsky. The Lightning drafted Hedman. The Lightning drafted Braden Point. These were all players that the Tampa Bay Lightning scouted and drafted themselves. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, Kucherov and Point were middle round picks. Andre Palat was a seventh round pick. left, he wasn't, uh, you know, the top of the board either. I, you know, it's just it's one of those things where you have got to win on multiple levels. Any organization in any sport, you know, this. I mean, even with Florida State, if you got to pick the right three stars, you know, for mm-hmm. signing day, you got to pick the right four stars and project what they can be. That's exactly what this group did, and they're the smartest team in hockey. Period. End of sentence. You know, that's the thing. And And what's really impressive about this run is it might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but if you consider the way they beat the Islanders, and I was up there at the game where Pollock stopped the goal, um the McDonough shot with like a second to go. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to play ugly to win. and and the way they closed out both series, the uh, the semifinal and then the final, was with a one nothing win, which is the exact opposite of the way they played. Three and four years ago, correct. It's it's really cool to see how the Tiger changed its stripes with all the talent that they have. They're not resting on their laurels. They can beat you eight nothing like they did uh, to the Islanders last last series. But you know the philosophy changed, but the skill was there, and now it's going to get whittled away. It's same thing happens in the NFL when you're really good. It's a copycat league, and people want people from your roster. So you know that's
0: what's going to happen. I think for you and I who grew up down there, and anybody else who's listening. Uh, you know, it reminds you that you got to be patient. Um, you have to believe that at some point, you know, you, you'll get things right and, and good fortune will shine. But you also have to hope that the right owner comes in, buys your team, surrounds himself with really intelligent people, allows them to do what they do well, and you build towards this moment. And where where that's definitely happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, you know, the Bucks are on the cusp of maybe doing something equally as special and very rare as well, which is to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Just be prepared, my brother to be hated in a way that folks in Tampa Bay are not accustomed to, beyond the fact that it's a place where uh, people are road hard and put up wet and uh, rightfully shots are taken at some of the scuzzier areas of Tampa. But now, now we are the jealousy of the sporting world, and it's what's going to come our way, and we can bathe ourselves in those tears and celebrate together as long-suffering fans from the Tampa Bay area.
1: Oh yeah, I just say cry me a river so we can do a, have a different boat parade route for our next <laughs> celebration. You know that's that's the way to do it. Um, the one thing when we won the Super Bowl, I remember texting my buddies down in Tampa. Most of them Dole grads, and I was like, Hey, let's do this better than Boston did. Let's not be the elitist a holes that they have been for you know eons. Let's let's be a little bit more understanding and embrace it. And every time we win one of these things, which it never gets old. The toast is, with the champagne, that this is all temporary, man. You've got to embrace, you know, and and I'm sure you did, the 14 straight top four seasons and a couple national championships in the Mm -hmm, 90s. you just got to know that it's really freaking hard, even if you have the best team to win. Because think about it, man. Like, nobody's won two Stanley Cups faster than this team. It was 10 months apart. And that means that you're going through four months of playoff hockey, eight rounds of it. I mean, they weren't just limping. And Montreal didn't even make the playoffs last year. so. Talk about fresh legs against a team that's been beaten up, it's absolute attrition. And I think that's anybody who watches hockey, and we've converted quite a few people here in town, anybody who watches hockey, especially in the playoffs, knows, oh my God, what these guys put their bodies through is mm-hmm. just absurd. And that's where we're extra happy and proud of you know a team that fights through all that garbage because, I mean, the stories you're going to hear in the next couple of weeks about you know, all the bumps and bruises and the guys like writhing in pain and just gutting through it, that's what makes hockey more compelling to me than than any other sport, specifically that part of it, that what you have to go through to win is absurd.
0: Oh, it's ugly. Um, you got to sacrifice everything. These guys are taking years off their life, and that way it's very similar to football. But, yeah, it's incredible. And, and what they play through and with is, is remarkable. All the times you hear about guys, oh, yeah, so-and-so finished the uh, series with broken arm, played uh, the last three games with a shattered kneecap. You're like, how's that possible? How's that even possible? Well, Um, I'll do
1: you one better. Yeah, in 2015, when Chicago beat us, and you were in the house for that terrible gaffe by Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. And uh, that essentially was a series. He's playing goalie with a torn groin, Uh, a torn groin, like of any position in sports, where a torn groin would really come into play. You would think the flexibility of goalie would be a non-starter, but that's what these guys play for. Just that's where, again, I just I find it so damn compelling. And it's always more compelling when you win and you hoist the cup. But, like, oh, my God. And, and now we are absolutely on the map. Tampa has been kind of one of those fringe markets that, ah, they had their moment in the sun. But we're a cornerstone of the sporting conversation now, and that does not suck.
0: Doesn't suck. And I don't imagine we'll be humble about it. I know we're going to try, but <laughs> it just it gets harder and harder to be humble about it. Love you, brother. I'll talk to you later.
1: Hey, brother. Good day
0: for all. Good day indeed. Way to go, champion. Bye, champion. Perfect. There it is. One champion to another. Mm, it's something. I will say this uh, on a side note here uh, before we round out the segment, and I don't want to get too sentimental. Uh, the Lightning, are, you guys know this if you've been listeners to the show for a long time, and I, and I mean this. I'm, I'm not being uh, you know, sarcastic here. The lightning mean a lot to me because of how good they were to my family. Uh, and in particular, my youngest son, when he got sick and he's fine and everything's okay. And I'm not going to mire all of us in this right now. Okay. Everything's all right. But there was the, for, if you're newer to the show, there was a time when my uh, youngest son was, uh, I think he was five, four or five years old. And he, he got very sick and he had to go to Shans, and it was a, it was a tough time as you can imagine. Again, he's fine and, and everything's going to be okay. And I, so don't worry about anything. But, you know, in that moment, it was overwhelming, and uh, obviously, any parent who's been through something like that, you you know what I'm talking about. And and, and even if you haven't, you can imagine. Um, it's just it occupies every waking second uh, of your on your mind, every waking second of every day. And uh, and so anyhow, uh, one one of the listeners to this show, when I had to take time off, is a Florida State grad that has listened to the show for years and and works for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he's a great guy, and we're still in touch, and he has done great work, and he's risen through the ranks because of his intelligence and hard work. And I'm happy for him. I was really happy for him last night because he's now got two rings, and how cool is that? Great guy, great guy. Um, but apparently, and I did not know this was going to happen, but he, he told some of the people there uh, with the Lightning that, hey, there's this guy that grew up down here. He loves the Lightning, and you know he's, he's uh, he does a sports talk show, and his kid's sick. The next thing I knew, Matthew, we got in the mail signed pucks and sticks and like little foam dolls and pictures and invitations to visit and come down onto the ice. And it was incredible. And I have never forgotten that. This organization is run first class. They give back to that community in a way that very few organizations do anywhere around the country. They invest in the infrastructure of the city. They have built parks and schools and they give out scholarships to kids and need, just amazing what they do. Now, that's how you ingrain yourself. That's how you endear yourself. That's how you connect to a city. And that's why when you see the scenes around Tampa and if you ever go to a game at MLA, you'll see that's a wonderful environment, real passion, because those fans, hockey more than most sports, is very much uh, a communal uh, city sport. It's It's not It's not national the way that football is. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't root for the Lightning, I doubt you're randomly tuning into the Lightning. But if you don't root for the Packers, you do tune into the Packers. So hockey is very unique to the cities. You know what I'm saying? So there's a connection there if it's done right. And it's because of things like this and the kinds of uh, efforts that they make for people who are either hurting or in need or just need a little pick-me-up. And I will never forget that. Now, I rooted for them anyhow. But my kids will be fans of this team for as long as they live. Um, and we still have in, in Clark's room. Uh, Steven Stamskos signed game-used stick, and it's on his wall. And we have the pucks that they gave us. And we've subsequently been able to go down there, and I feel incredibly fortunate. We got down onto the ice to watch their warm-ups. We were on their bench. We got to meet the players. Giant-ass Victor Hedman came over and dapped Uh, my two boys uh, and you want to talk about a mountain of a man. You're like, and I'm sitting there, you know, uh, this guy is larger than life. And you feel like a small child yourself when he comes, first of all, he's already huge, but then he's on skates and he comes over. You're like, good God, why would anybody mess with you? It's insane. But they were just first class. And I got to meet a lot of people over the years in that organization. Hell, Tom's sister, Tom Lang's sister worked for the lightning for many years. And so Just I feel a real connection to them, and and that would inform some of my excitement that you see on a regular basis on social media or what I talk about. We don't spend a ton of time on hockey. I get that the vast majority of my audience is like, okay, didn't really grow up with it, don't care that much about it, but it is a great franchise and a Florida team, and now they're back-to-back champions, and so they do cement themselves in the pantheon of greatness in the salary cap era uh, of teams that have done something truly unique, and uh, yeah, obviously I'm happy. All right, we'll skip the hockey, but we'll move on. Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. I don't know if you saw this, but if you want to get, again, sick to your stomach and you're tired of Tampa, please allow me to oblige. Here you go, as credited to James Dater, who wrote the piece for, where did I get it this morning? SB Nation, maybe? I can't remember. Perusing the headlines. At least I got the guy right. Every place Tom Brady lives ends up winning championships in every sport. That's the article's title. Tampa Bay Lightning winning their second straight Stanley Cup championship has led to a fascinating realization. Tom Brady brings championships, and not just to the teams that he's playing for. A phenomenon being dubbed the Tom Brady effect is circulating on social media. It holds that Brady holds an unnatural streak lasting over 30 years of living in cities that win championships. Here we go. Go back to 1980, Brady's location, Northern California, team Raiders, success, Super Bowl. 1981, Northern California, team 49ers, Super Bowl. 1984, okay, so this is obviously not every year of his life, but it's most, and you'll hear it, I think it's 28 or 30 years maybe of the 43 he's been alive. It's really quite something. Again, the 49ers, Super Bowl, 88, 49ers, Super Bowl. Brady's still living in Northern California in 1989, and the 49ers win a Super Bowl then. Also in 1989, while Brady's still living in Northern California, the Oakland A's win the World Series. All right. 94, Super Bowl, 49ers. Brady's living in Northern California. Now, at this point, Brady moves, goes off to Michigan. There he is. Guess who wins the Stanley Cup? Red Wings. 96, Michigan, Red Wings, Stanley Cup champions. uh, 97, Michigan, Red Wings, Stanley Cup champions. 98, Michigan, University of National Champions tied. Yes, last time they did anything of any note. Michigan, one Red Wings champions 01 Brady to the Patriots. You know what's next. Super Bowl 01 03 04. Red Sox World Series champions 04. Red Sox World Series champions 07. Patriots Super Bowl champions 07 08. Celtics NBA champions. New England NFL champions uh, 11. Bruins win the Stanley Cup championship, Red Sox in 13, win the World Series, Patriots win another Super Bowl in 14 and in 16, Red Sox win it again in 16, uh, or 18 I should say, get to uh, New England one more time in 18, then he goes to Tampa Bay, the Lightning, Stanley Cup champions, Bucks Super Bowl champions in 21, Lightning, Stanley Cup champions 2021. Now, 28 unique championships over the span of 43 years in the cities that Tom Brady has lived in. Son of a... <laughs> that's, it has nothing, it's just weird. It has nothing to do with nothing, but what? If that's not a sale for the cryo chamber, I don't know what is. Man, if you're that guy, the money you could make on just walking around as an embodiment of how to win championships, whether I play for you to not or not, it's just my being. Who I am the way I live my life my outlook my face my place in the universe put me where you need things to get better just we've got some issues in this part of the country just drop me here I got you we'll come together we'll not just come together we'll get healthy and we'll win together all of us you the farmer you the man in the city I'm here for both. Let's go. Let's make it work. Just drop me down right here. I'll join the local Y and we'll win whatever pickup league championship you need me to win. And all of us will feel better about one another. We'll invest in one another's well-being. And the city or the country or both will have a come-up as led by the aura of Tom Brady. I'm, I'm... I am seriously prepared for the pushback. I I already know, you know, Tom was talking about the sort of erudite way in which uh, the, uh, and and that's probably the wrong descriptor since it's not as sophisticated as this. But, yeah, Boston fans have bad reputations for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. But to be sure, some of that is rooted in extreme jealousy when you have – boatloads of success across sports and you win a multitude of championships after a while others want to play we get a little tired of this nonsense and I I was given just a glimpse just a little bit of insight to what was coming even from my closest of friends um one of my dearest friends in all the world who has routinely thought well of the Tampa Bay Lightning and Mentioned that he thought they were a well-run organization and a lot of fun to attend games. Did say to me uh, last week when we were on the phone towards the end of the conversation, all right, I'm about done with you guys. About done. I, I, listen, I love you, brother, and I know you're from there, and that's great. It, mm-hmm. About done. Every time I look up, every time I look up, somebody from Tampa's winning something these days. About done. And even if they're not, they're getting really close to doing so. See the Rays. <laughs> that close. And if Kevin Cash doesn't make that change, they might very well have won. And, I mean, sweet Jesus, that's insane because they don't have any money. The Bucks will have the biggest target on their back that they didn't have a year ago. Last year, they were a team that brought in Tom Brady and thus got publicity for bringing in Tom Brady. It was known already that they had a lot of nice pieces, but it was not thought by the vast majority of football fans that they were on the precipice of going and winning the Super Bowl. It was that they were a playoff contender, that they might compete to win the division, but probably not your odds on favorite. Some people would have started that season without knowing the injury situation to be in San Francisco, saying that the 49ers would come out or that that certainly anybody who does come out is not going to beat Kansas City. You could name a couple of other teams. Baltimore was in that mix and others that they thought to be in contention. But the Bucs were usually fourth or fifth on the list of teams named that they thought could win the Super Bowl. Green Bay was still listed ahead of Tampa Bay. And after all, Green Bay ended up hosting the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and still couldn't get it done, despite Rodgers having an MVP season. So now you go and you convert. You, you, You put your chips into the middle of the table, and you win the Super Bowl, and now you start this year... That is a, oh, maybe, but no, the hunted and the hated, because now the marriage of championships, plural, it's there for everybody to say, okay, is everything going to reside in Tampa now? This is enough. This is enough. So I'm ready. I'm mentally prepared. I've steeled myself for this year. So this person, this friend's team in a hockey must be a contender. Because no. me as a Flyers fan, yeah yeah I'm just like, okay, it's just a wash because the fl- the Flyers suck. They weren't going to win it, right? No. Yeah, no, well, he's a fan of um, all things Chicago. So that's Bears, that's Blackhawks, that's White Sox in his case. That's, you know, and so he's just kind of, he doesn't hate Tampa. He roots for Tampa to do well. And he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's moved and lived in Florida for a very long time. So he has no ill will, but it's starting to get old to him. He's, he's like, okay. He even said to me, I don't know if you noticed this, Jeff, but the Rowdies made a run at the championship, too. There's a lot of weird things going on in Tampa right now. I'm like, yes, weird things as in domination in everything. It's glorious. It is. It's just glorious. Because if you grew up there and you're anywhere close to my age, Tampa was not known for that at all. Tampa was known for beautiful beaches, beautiful women sometimes, strip clubs to be sure. The drug industry, shady areas that really could bring down even the most upstanding citizen, as it often did, Uh, but not winning, not winning and dominating, not rolling out championship quality football, baseball didn't exist in my youth other than spring training. Hockey didn't exist in my youth till later and then the lightning came on board but as a startup you kind of realized it was going to be a long time and they were going to struggle and then obviously in 04 they cash it in and you're like okay we did it we made it to the top of the mountain that's awesome but still nobody associating great hockey in florida and now now just basically everywhere you look in the sports that matter you associate greatness in tampa side by side it's a beautiful thing she's making sure she It is with good reason you play that, sir. We'll be back on Tuesday. And even then, you know, it's an interesting time, guys. It's an interesting time right now. Just trust me. Uh, Should be noted that we still have baseball. And, in fact, I'll get to those probables in a moment. Are you, uh, we're not that many days away, five days away or so, from the home run derby. You still watch the home run derby, Matthew? No, not usually. But the only reason I had to watch it this year is for Otani. I agree. Uh, I do like to watch uh, Soto hit Dongs. Uh, he, he's also a sort of a man amongst boys. So I, I might tune into that. But yeah, I don't. It was, it was ruined for me for many years by Chris Berman. But then he was no longer on the call for a lot. And I went, okay, we can do this again. But it does get boring. Unless you have somebody doing things that uh, seems not humanly possible, I will say that we did have that famed home run derby in uh, Boston where McGuire and others are hitting home runs that it doesn't seem any human being has ever hit before. Um, And then, of course, I can still remember, uh, who was it, the uh, former Ray and Texas Ranger uh, who's trying to hit it out of Yankee Stadium Crack addict, ruined his career. Lefty, prolific home run hitter. <laughs> oh, Josh Hamilton? Josh, Josh Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. You should have got it as soon as I said crack addict. Yeah, crack addict gives it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Hamilton. Uh, and I wasn't trying to be cold-hearted, I just an identifier since he had a lot of run-ins with crack. Uh, but yeah, Josh Hamilton had a little three-year window where he did things with the baseball. That story, there's a story about Josh Hamilton. Okay, so this guy was thought of as obviously one of these freakishly great, young, up-and-coming uh, players, prospects at the time, and the Rays had him, of course, and he kept, unfortunately, going through um, a lot of uh, drug rehab, and and then he would fall off the wagon, and he'd have more problems, and it was just it was just awful. I, I remember thinking he's going to die, uh, and I had only read these stories of how prolifically strong and and good he was, and the bat speed and everything else. But you kept thinking, well, I'd like to see it. I mean, you know. So he goes through all the stuff that he goes through that you know, and I say he goes through it as if he was put upon. He did it to himself, but I still have empathy, and uh, I was rooting for him to get it together. And, of course, luckily he did. He did get it together for a stretch there, and he was an all-star and a very, very good player and incredibly strong. But the story goes that when he came back, I think, after his third rehab stint, and he went out and drove to, I think, North Carolina to stay with his grandma, and she opened the door and thought he looked like death and was nearly in tears and let him in, and he slept for, like, two days. I mean, this is the story of legend. It's amazing. But from everything I read, I think it's true. Um, And so she fed him, and he just – stayed away from everybody, and just got clean, you know, went through it. Well, he went back to uh, Florida, to South Florida, to train with somebody, um, this this particular hitting coach, that had worked with a lot of great players, worked with A-Rod and all these others. And they thought, well, we'll just start with the basics. You're going to hit off a tee today. You're just going to hit off a tee, and let me look at your mechanics, and we'll get started. And, you know, he's skinny. He's got to get back in the gym. He's got to get strong again. And the first few balls he hits off the tee, so there's no mph coming in, nothing to provide the power for you. Not a batting machine or anything. He's just hitting it off a tee, and he's going yard straight away center. And guys like, yeah, flick of the wrists, and the bat speed's still there. I see. It's just crazy when you those guys with preternatural ability is it's freakish. Uh, anyhow, sorry, I digress. Just thinking about the home run derby. Let's get to the probables, if you would fire it up. It's time for. How you say? With the pitching, uh, probables? Some games underway that include the Yankees and the Mariners, and that's Jordan Montgomery and Logan Gilbert, also currently underway. Rockies, D-backs, Chi-Chi Gonzalez, Jake Feria. Blue Jays, Orioles tonight, Alec Benoa and Dylan Tate. We got the Royals and the Indians. That'll be Danny Duffy and Zach Pleszak. My Buccos taking on Tom's Mets. JT Brubaker, been pretty decent for the Buccos. Tawan Walker's been really good for the Mets. Phillies Cubs, Zach Eflin. Adbert Alzole. Fun name to say. Tigers twins, Tariq Skubel and J.A. Happ still out here pitching. Reds, Brewers. We got Tyler Mahal and Adrian Hauser. Finally, Nationals Padres, Max Scherzer darvish in the matchup of the night that is worth watching that will be a fun game and that is a look at those that shall out of the bump i made reference to this earlier in the show but i want to do it again here i i don't often pimp on these airwaves uh, entire shows or things like that that I do elsewhere. But, I i mean, I do mention it where you can find it. Uh, I do a, a golf show on the PGA Tour Network on SiriusXM XM, Channel 92, with the head golf coach at Florida State and my good friend Trey Jones. And we've been doing that for like six years now, and it's a lot of fun. And every now and then you get a guest on that gets you really excited. And we love all of our guests. But, you know, I mean, if you get an opportunity to talk to – a Brooks Kepka, as we have, or Daniel Berger, as we have, or any number of other players. You get just really excited. And that's true from outside of Florida State's uh, stud golfers. It's it's people that make up the bigger world of golf. We had uh, Jim Bones Mackay on last night for two long segments. And, and if you missed that, usually uh, I know that you can find it. They will post it and put it up on the, um, on the website. And usually you can find a way, even if you don't subscribe to SiriusXM, um, to to download it, but if you do, you definitely can get it, and it's just worth your time. I I thought he was incredibly insightful and interesting and giving and um, smart and fascinating. Just so many cool anecdotes, and uh, I'll, I'll say this: I love when I come across guys, Matthew, that are straight shooters. So when we get a chance to talk to them, sometimes to our guests, especially if we're going to have them on for two segments, the way it works is the producer of the show is either in washington d c Los Angeles or tampa they've actually got places in Tampa now, so we'll have a producer um and they'll come in and say, "Hey, we have your guests so and so's on the line and these days everybody's on a zoom as well, so you can see them and they'll run that through the board it's amazing what we you know what the pandemic allowed for people figured out how to utilize this technology and make it sound decent so you can see him, and that's always cool. And he's on vacation because he's getting ready to go cover for NBC, the British Open, and the Olympics. So he's about to be working for three weeks straight, basically every day or longer. And he's on a little vacation, and yet he chose to, he said yes to come on. And so we were thanking him for that. And I'll give you a peek behind the curtain. I, I love sometimes the chit chat. I love guys that are really loyal and very smart and very upfront. And before we ever got started, he said, listen, guys. I'm not saying you're going to do this, uh, but just so you know, I'm not going to get real in the weeds personally with anything to do with Phil Mickelson. So if you, you know, he's, I'm not saying you can't ask me questions about my 25 plus years with Phil. Of course you can. I'm saying it's not fair to Phil for you to ask me personal stuff about why we broke up in terms of the relationship, the working relationship, and all that other stuff. But the reason I bring that up is because he basically admitted that he, he loves Phil and it doesn't really matter the reasons that they that their bond is strong and he's just not going to go there. I was like, that's so cool. That is, like, the sense I get, and now this is just me kind of drawing from the conversation, is that whatever it was building towards when they decided to go their separate ways, it was amicable. Like, a lot of people expected that that was it, – it, there was acrimony. But I, don't, I, I think Phil is telling the truth all these years later, and I think Bones is too, that – they just knew it was time. Maybe 25 years together is probably enough. It's just time. And the caddy player relationship is such that sometimes you just need a different voice, you know? And I, I, I'm sure, and he had opportunity. And Phil said, I remember at the time Phil said, look, Bones is as good as they come. He's wicked smart. He's incredibly knowledgeable. His experience is second to none. The second we go our separate ways, I have zero doubt he's going to get a call to go be on the bag for anybody he wants and or to be a golf analyst because he's that good. That turned out to be true, but I like that loyalty, and I like to see that peek behind the curtain. But he had funny stories about Phil and, and about players, and one thing is revealed for sure. We already knew that about these guys. They like it the juice. They uh, they will get after um, side wagering and everything else, and then some ways they need it because when you play week to week and – you know, you're on the Michelin 500 followed by the Lipton T Open followed by... They don't all have the, the what for that a major does. And you can get kind of rung dry. And so maybe it's a little bit more fun when you're paired with a guy that also likes a juice. And the next thing you know, you're like, what do you say? A little side action on today's round, boys. I would give anything to be on the box. Because a lot of times it's proposed right there on the box. So you got a seven-something in the morning tea time. Guys are stretching. you know, They're warming up. Phil might be like, so, boys, what, what are we doing out here today? And that's amazing to me, right? And that nine times out of ten, the other player's like, oh, okay. I like where your head's at, pal. Well, 100 G's on today's 18. i I'll be like, it's just crazy. All out in the open. Now, he did not bring that up. But you could, intimate it in that they sometimes like to bet a little more than a dinner. You know, a little, little something other side. Good work out of you. Thanks to all of you for listening. You guys be well. Bask in the glow, if you will, as I currently am of back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay. That's right. You go from being uh, admired and well thought of to gauging by the uh, gauging the waters, reviled, hated, hunted. Despised across the league. That's what happens when greatness arrives. When you reach a level of greatness that so few in the salary cap era have ever dreamt of. In fact, only one other has achieved what Tampa Bay has in the salary cap era in the way of back to back. That'd be the Penguins. So, you know, I get it. So, when you're this unique and this dominant, it's just you're going to be hated. It's what's going to happen. But that's neither here nor there for now. The other thing you can call them are champions yet again. Good work out of you. Thanks everybody. Be well. Talk to you guys on Tuesday. Well, it's all right. Even if the sea are